Hi, welcome to Affable Chat. Uh, I am Benjamin. And I'm Joey. And today we're going to be talking about the movie The Hudsucker Proxy. Yes. And uh, so spoilers ahead, uh, starting right now. We'll get that out of the way. So, uh, yeah. Joey, wh- wh- where did you first hear this movie? Um, I saw it on TV with my dad, like, years ago. Um, and it is still one of my favorite Coen Brothers movies, still one of my favorite movies. Uh, I think the humor is hysterical. I think um, it's really just like a well-crafted movie. And there's something I really picked up on this time that I didn't pick up on at all that I thought was really interesting. So I hope to get into that. Okay. Uh, for me, this movie was a a comic fever dream about <laughs> the American like business system. And uh, I, which that I was at work. I was yes, I was laughing uh, the whole time, but it was. That's that the theme of this just being a fever dream kept coming back to me because uh, there's a lot of uh, whimsical and wacky things that go on in this movie, but uh, good yeah. humor throughout. Definitely, definitely a darker like tone to it though. I mean, it's like it is whimsical and stuff, but it definitely has this like deep like seated like oh uh, like corruption and and everything running deep. Um, so I would definitely say it's a, a dark comedy. Yeah, even, and, uh, well, there's also, like, the battle between, like, I guess, good and evil, kind of. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no, tons to talk about in this movie. Uh, do you want to go ahead and get it started with this uh, synopsis? Yeah, absolutely. All okay. right. Here we go. After wearing Hudsucker, founder, CEO, and majority shareholder in Hudsucker Industries throws himself from the 45th floor of the Hudsucker building in New York, the board wants to know what happens next. Specifically, they are worried about the late Mr. Hudsucker's stock and how it will be distributed. Worried about losing control of the company, Sidney Musburger, vice president at Hudsucker, devises a plan. They will hire a CEO that will scare the shareholders into selling, reducing the price of Hudsucker shares so that the board will gain control of the company. The key is to hire a buffoon, an idiot, someone easy to manipulate and sure to make poor decisions. They settle on... Norvell Barnes, a young college graduate from Muncie, Indiana, who just started in the mailroom at Hudsucker. Aided by the local newspaper, Musburger and co. watched their stock crumble as it seems Norvell Barnes really is the imbecile they needed. But little did they suspect, Barnes had a genius idea up his sleeve. Aided by the nearly unlimited resources provided to him, Norvell Barnes pushes through his invention, the hula hoop. The hula hoop is a huge success, and Norville's invention makes Hudsucker Industries stock reach new heights. But he fails to replicate that success, and soon falls into a depression, as his relationships, his job, and even his credit of his invention come into question. At his lowest point, Norville climbs to the top of the Hudsucker building and goes out on the ledge, preparing to join Wearing Hudsucker in death. Norville slips and, through a miracle, meets Wearing Hudsucker's angel, who tells him that falling and failing are part of life and encourages him not to give up. Norville survives the fall and, reinvigorated, begins his pitch for a new idea to the board, the Frisbee. The end. Yes, no, pretty good uh, way to put it together. Okay, there's a lot to talk about in this movie. Yes, what do you want to talk about first? Well, the first thing is, uh, I love that the circle was such a... Like, they delivered so well on his genius idea. because Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> it, initially, I thought it was up in the air whether or not he was kind of an idiot because he kept on – he uh, Norville yeah. is a pretty well-spoken, 
seemingly intelligent guy who just graduated from college. He definitely does kind of seem like podunk, small town guy, but he yep. also seems like hardworking, full of dreams and good ideas. Yes. But every time he tries to prove that, he whips out this little crumbled up piece of paper in his shoe, um, which keeping like your brilliant idea, your elevator pitch thing in your shoe shows that you're like always looking for the next that gets good shows you have yeah 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 but it's just in a circle and he's like (laughs) you know for kids like oh genius line too you know uh you know for kids yeah he just has that piece of paper and it has a circle written on it um and and that's it it's like a really nice circle too right um well literally go into like the specifics but one of the things i thought they did well was they kept that idea of like it being stupid but it also being genius throughout because the next circle we saw was the bendy straw which again yeah. another great idea um <laughs> and then the uh and then the frisbee of course so the like at the end yeah. the things that i uh, like if they don't exist in this world yet as a, as like people who live in a world where these things do exist you mm-hmm. know that they're good ideas or at least they're going to be popular because that's how it works but uh, yeah i i just thought that that was that was so well done that they are able to kind of pinpoint that level of like obscurity in a, an idea but also realism in the fact that yeah it would actually yeah it's do well. it's such a, a brilliant thing and like literally the first time i saw the the design like watch re-watching it i i got chills i was just like remembering all the things that are going to happen because it's like yeah like to anyone else it doesn't mean anything but to norville like this is his seed of inspiration and you know where this is going to go and you know that this is going to go well for him so yeah i, I freaking love that um, and yeah, I mean, if we want to get into it right now, I think, um, the, there's this big thing I never picked up on before, which is this theme of circles. You see circles everywhere in the movie and, and a lot in the dialogue too. Um, it, there's this whole like idea of reincarnation and karma that keeps coming up and, yes. um, the circle is also represented by clocks and time. Yep. Um, and it's, it's really interesting. I really like that, that just juxtaposition when he, when Buzz, the elevator guy, uh, pitches him the bendy straw idea, you know, he has he has a circle written on the board, and Norville's like, wow, this is stupid, you know, I, no one wants this kind of thing, which is exactly what people would have said to him in, in his position yeah. um, when he was pitching the, the, the hula hoop. He just happened, uh, they just happened to want to see him fail in that regard, so, like, he accidentally made something great, uh, whereas Buzz never really got that opportunity. But... For me, watching this, like, I like that joke, first of all, like, where, where Buzz shows him the circle, and he's like, oh, this is stupid. Um, but now I, I kind of see that in a new light, where it's like the circle represents a good idea, and it's like a simple idea, but it's also like a perfect idea. And how Norval, like, complete, completely comes disillusioned from that at the in the middle of the movie, where he, he sees the circle, and he doesn't see it as a good idea anymore. He can only see stuff from through his ceo eyes if that makes sense right the buzz's idea is really reminiscent of his own hula hoop idea but um norville doesn't recognize it anymore as as brilliant he's up there with the fat cats he's been blinded by his own success yeah all smoking cigars and getting head massages (laughs) (laughs) and having a guy in his his office who just reads the comics (laughs) yeah that's the uh, yeah the definition of excess. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! I wonder what that guy's job was. Like, was he supposed to read the comics? Was he like a bodyguard? Or was he supposed to read the comics and tell Norval which ones were funny? <laughs> I I think doesn't doesn't he say something? Does he have? He a does line? say like one word. Like when he like when Amy Archer comes uh, confronts him and tries to um, get him to snap out of it. He kind of stands up and starts to try and push her out, but you know she puts him down because she's 
a strong independent woman yes no and she's a, a really interesting character i uh the first i mean there's a lot of characters when you're first watching this movie right but the scene yeah. that really got me uh that i thought was just impressive maybe just this is the actress coming through as far as like a impressive performance but when she first gets back after having talked to uh norval in his office and yeah. she's multitasking she's <laughs> typing up her story and talking to smitty at the same time meanwhile the guy who does a crossword for the paper is back there and he's the crossword guy yeah and he can't like think enough he's not as good at making crosswords as her as she's like not only doing plot exposition, writing her story, like saying witty comebacks to Smitty and answering this crossword puzzle. Yep. She's like writing this paper, and then uh, and then it ends. It all comes to this satisfying conclusion with because there's no uh, breaks in the conversation. Oh, yeah. she's also stealing his cigarette and smoking it while while she while, while she's typing. Yeah, on the yeah. typewriter. And then at like when the conversation all comes to a conclusion, which you know she just did said another crossword answer yeah. uh, and spelled it out, and then so she ends it. She rips the paper out and she like does a really impressive like i can't whistle like she does but like a like that yeah. kind of whistle and <laughs> slide like, whistle yeah, yeah she like whips it out it's like Perfect. copy and it's just that whole sequence is amazing which i think that uh i think that you said there's a kind of theme with the circles but yeah this movie really comes through with some solid sequences things that are kind of a process that you kind of witness through and there's there's a, oh my gosh. a ton of examples with it yeah there's um, a lot of good really mo- really good montages in this uh, yes. my favorite is definitely when they start making the hula hoop though that's that part is amazing yes because um, they had like first he shows them like oh, the hula hoop and the board pitch and then they like you know they're like, all right, we're going to do this. And then they show all the different, like, approval things that has to go through. And you, like, have like this, like, montage of, like, people rubber stamping things with approved. And they all have different, like, fonts yeah, and stuff. They have the, um, oh, what is it called? You might actually know. The, the like, the design paper the engineers actually use has, like, oh, like the, the blueprints. Yeah, it has, like, the front view, the side view, like, <laughs> yeah. the, the profile. To make this? Yeah. And it's just and it, did, you, did you catch what it said on the side, like? In the in the blueprints, I know um, it, it said says, something dingus. Extruded plastic dingus. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. Yeah, that's what they come up to call it, which I thought would be weird if they actually went through with that. I'm, the dingus, I, yeah. Well, um, I mean, somebody actually invented the hula hoop, right? Or is there not? Yeah, a... I looked that up. Um, there's some guy named Spud, I think. Um, Spud. yeah, oh, okay. Arthur K. Spud Mellon, who invented it in 1958. Uh, him and Richard Knurr. And they worked for a company um, called uh, Whammo. Oh, Whammo. They still make Whammo. Stuff. Yeah, they made um, 25 million plastic hoops were sold in less than four months. And in two years, sales reached more than 100 million units. Nice. And uh, at some point, they were making 50,000 hoops a day. That's crazy. It is pretty crazy. So, yeah, uh, it was a big fad. Well, yeah, I'm sh- uh, so a great thing to emulate in this movie I, I actually what is the meaning of like the what will it cost thing because it's just like a room full of dudes with like calculators like they have phones but they don't I, yeah. they, I didn't see anybody actually on them because at first I thought it was them calling up everyone in the world and asking them like how much would you pay for a plastic hoop and like trying to get like the aggregate but it's just them sitting in these rows of desks yeah, punching numbers yeah, well, they're just punching numbers in seemingly out of midair while they, like, look up at the sign that says, what will, how much will it cost? It has a picture of it on, on the sign. I love that so much. It's just like a, there's, like, a ton of them, too. There's, like, 200 of them in this room. Well, and, and then they also, like... they also have, uh, okay, and, like, 
I'm not very familiar with Jewish culture. I'm not sure if this is a reference to it, but this guy who carries this huge book and like sets it down, and it reminds yeah. the only time of it, uh, like the only reference I can see to that is like when uh, I don't know what the your bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah, whatever it is, where you like okay. pull out the Torah. Yeah, and you like have to say that. Anyways, they you have to like it read it and stuff. Yeah, you, yeah, it, that might not be a reference to it, but uh, I I've seen too many of these old timey movies where Jewish people are just synonymous with the money. Giant, yeah, yeah, uh, the giant like uh, ledger or whatever it is. Sure, that they have to, right, and then yeah. that's when they, the guy's not happy with the price, so they yeah, just, he's like, it's not, like, it costs us fifty nine cents to make. We should sell it for seventy nine cents, and the guy's like, nah, and then he he votes on a, a single like one, and the guy's like raises his eyebrows like. All right. Yeah. I like when this is going. <laughs> What's the point of having the process then if they're just going to slap a whole <laughs> I mean, that must be actually it. Like, they do such a good job with the bureaucracy in this movie. Um, and, and I do want to return back to this, but, like, when the Norville first starts at the mailroom and they're going through all this, like, different rules he has, um, like, he has to make sure he uses the right, like, uh, folders and, like, all the codes are almost exactly the same. Like, if you want to go on a break, it's like three three seven. But if you like are calling on sick, it's seven three three. It's like all of them are like just different variations of the same two numbers. And then all the like all of the different sizes have different colors associated with them. And anything he does wrong, like he's just gonna screw up. Like they'll dock him. That's what they say. And his employee number is told to him once, and it has like numbers and like Greek letters in it. <laughs> And they said it won't be repeated. <laughs> and it will not be repeated. If you forget it, you cannot get your paycheck. <laughs> yeah, that's see, that's, an, that's an example of another great sequence is where yeah. they he explains he's being explained, or I guess it's like his orientation to the mailroom. Yeah. and that's, this it, has been your orientation. Yes, and and it builds, and it's like him walking through the scene. People are handing him things, yelling at him, and it's all this kind of comedy uh, routine almost that's building on itself, and uh, and then it it makes it to a conclusion and in this the conclusion i guess just cements the fact that he's never going to hear any of that again he has to have already memorized it which yep. is humorous in its own way uh, obviously yeah. explaining comedy is never funny but uh <laughs> th- like whenever like this movie does has uh, a bunch of examples of just masterful sequences that build on themselves uh which yeah, definitely well, we, we were talking about the hula hoop one because they also have the uh, the creative bullpen. Oh my gosh! With the guys in there, and that has to happen in some capacity. I mean, in it real does. Life. Like, but it's just a couple of guys because it's just their silhouettes and they're like jumping. Yeah, they're just around, dancing like, around, pretending <laughs> to use it. And there's like another guy in there. Uh, okay, so apparently Sam Raimi is one of the writers on this movie, uh, who's famous. Uh, director he did spider-man spider-man 2 and spider-man 3 yes um and he also did evil dead which is a great horror movie um and he uh helped write this movie and he's also plays one of the silhouettes in that um that thing so he was he was literally writing the dialogue for that scene that he's in uh which i thought was pretty good masterful Um, actually while we're on that specific part of this sequence why was that old lady reading war and peace it was showing you how long it was taking them to read stuff she was reading uh war and peace and she was reading anna karenin i think it's what's called all these like books that are known to be dense and long oh Um, and it's like just show how long it took them to go through this and how long they've been at it i thought it was really creative no that's hilarious because i noticed it but i i I was like i haven't read war and peace so i don't i don't get the reference like i thought maybe there was something about the creative process it's just um long and dense are long that's great that's great (laughs) Yeah, but uh, I love the names they come up with. The Flying Donut, The Dancing Dignus. Um, the best one is definitely The Hipster, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were good, too. Yeah, They were like, some great ones. The Wacky Circumference. And then, um, um, yeah. 
And then the hub swinger and the hoop sucker. Oh yeah, they kept yelling at each other back. <laughs> like, they just settled in the last two. I mean, if you ever come up with a name or something, you know how that goes. Like first you come up with like, a bunch of good names, then you settle on two, and then you just like have a, have a huge argument about which one like actually represents it well. I love that. And then they uh, <laughs> they do like the safety testing or something where they yeah. blow somebody up with it. Yeah, I love that so much. Like how these guys in hazmat suits and they have like a, a barrier and they the guys in the hazmat suits dive over the barrier so they can <laughs> blow it up. And the mannequin is totally destroyed by the hula hoop spines. Like, yeah, I didn't know the hula hoop so... just, <laughs> just kind of just like settling on the ground. Yeah, resistant to explosions. And then, uh, and then after that, there's like a whole bunch of more bureaucracy of them like approving. It's like every different yes. way you can say like good, like authorized, <laughs> proceed, recommended, <laughs> like all these different stamps. <laughs> so many good stamps. I wonder if they had to like, make those. Like, I wonder how that worked. You know, like I wonder how much time went into that making that sequence. Like, did they just have like? I guess they could just computer animate something like that. But still, I like the idea of them like printing out a thousand stamps. <laughs> And then, like, that, that scene continues, right? Because, like, at first, uh, it's, it's not just them building the hula hoop. It's when it doesn't sell at first, right? Yes. It's too expensive and nobody buys it. And then they, like, reduce the price a lot. A lot. Um, and they yeah, say, the uh, one from... free with every purchase. Yes. <laughs> and then the guy just tosses them into the street at that point. <laughs> um, right. And, then... and that's what causes them to light fire, though. To, to like, not light fire, but, you know, to, to catch on. Is because yeah. the one rolls down the street to some little kid. And, uh, I love that sequence. I wonder how long it took him to roll a hula hoop that far. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. While, while we're talking about thing like seemingly inanimate objects doing things that they should like, <laughs> it would be hard to make them do. When the when the newspaper uh, catches on to Orville's leg or Norville's leg, uh, yeah. that it has the, the 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 ring for the the coffee ring around the posting at Hudsucker uh, like mailroom. Yeah. He. Uh, like, it flies pretty far and then, like, kind of organically catches on his leg. And he even looks to his left. It's on his right leg. He looks to his left first looking for it, and then he looks to his right. And the whole time I'm like, how did they make it do that? Because it's perfect. <laughs> it, like, it really I, – I don't know. Same same thing with, like, the uh, hula hoop. Maybe it just took a few tries. But oh, yeah. uh, I was impressed. That was pretty cool. Uh, it is, it is totally organic, too. There's not, like, a lot of, like – you know special effects in this movie you know it's there all are very, not <laughs> it's all very like practical but there is like i don't know it's enough for you to like notice the details and things and i think that really makes it hold up um yeah uh and then when it, it when the hula hoop finally catches on like everyone has like news stories about it and stuff the best one is um here's mom taking a break from their household chores and she's literally vacuuming while hula hooping. <laughs> it's like this is her taking a break she gets to vacuum <laughs> I love it. Yeah, there's, uh, yeah, no, that's because uh, uh, again, this is a different time we're talking about. I'm sure that's the 1950s. Yeah, pretty good uh, way to satirize how women are viewed at the time. That's pretty good. I love that. And also, the there's a German scientist that they interview talking about like the physics of it, and he says, um, like, it's the same force that keeps you from being thrown into space where you would die like a miserable swine. <laughs> I um oh, yeah because he and he says something like grains or something like in reference. Yeah, this one has those, little grains in it. Yes, that like just a reference to the sand that they put yeah. in there. That's like as, as it more fun. Yeah, as complicated as it gets. Um, also, there are some good hula hoopers in this movie. I oh, yeah. I like if you were to see this movie, you'd never heard of hula hoops before. You see this movie, you'd be like, oh, hula hooping is easy, and I can do it endlessly. And you can't because it's I'm harder than that. I'm so bad at it. It's been a while, but it, I. 
I I was like, wow, look at this kid. This kid go. He just picked it up for the first time. Uh, yeah, also, he's just going. When he did pick up the hula hoop, he didn't pick it up. He it was on the ground, and he steps into it, and you get a uh, aerial, aerial view, view yeah. where you can see it looks just like it did on the paper, uh, which is kind of a cool thing there. Another circle, yeah. I guess, in a That's movie so full of circles. Um, yeah, uh, that whole sequence is pretty much incredible, and I love that. Um, yeah, I, I realized it after because I was doing a little research after I watched the movie, and I just looked up Hudsucker Proxy on youtube and the first thing that comes up is the hula hoop sequence and yeah. i was like yes i do remember but, okay memorable. before that they um i want to get a little bit into the dialogue they, they talk about uh when norval's force pitching it he's pitching it to the board and the board has a lot of good questions yes which i wrote down like uh what if you tire before it's you're done yes <laughs> is that the same guy who kept saying not yeah. if you not counting the mezzanine or whatever no, i think like, that might have been a different guy but there there was another there were, are a lot of repeated stuff in this movie yes um which i think is hilarious they do such a good job with like establishing like the the bureaucracy of these guys, but also like you know, like all these questions are really good questions for any like kids product. I think like does it have any rules? Can more than one play at a time? Does it come with batteries? Can we charge extra for them? Is that a boys' yeah. model? <laughs> does it break eventually? Yes, it, it better break eventually. It better break. <laughs> Can a parent assemble it? Is there a larger model for the obese? What if it tires before you're done? What if you tire before it's done? Uh, is oh, it safe for toddlers? Yeah, I'm actually looking at the... How do you know when you're finished? How do you make it stop? <laughs> oh, this is good stuff. Yeah, it's just like, you know, questions like that. And, like, the board, all the boardrooms meetings are, are so funny. Um, especially the very first one. Uh, when after... Uh, Hudsucker jumps to his death. Oh, where there? There's only one guy who's actually concerned about his death, and everyone else is focused on the the, the share prices. Yeah, exactly. Um, the you know it's just the classic old white guys in gray suits, um, and like it's it's funny because they all look like distinct. Like you can tell they all look like different people, but they all look exactly the same yeah. at the same time. <laughs> No, yeah, that was one of the more obvious satirizations of boardrooms. <laughs> They're all just old white men, and they all have, like, the cul-de-sac haircut. Like, to different <laughs> levels, you know? They have... Yeah. <laughs> some of them are a little bit longer, a little puffier around the... Right above the ear and stuff. But for the most part, they're all white dudes, gray suits, and uh, cul-de-sac haircuts. And, uh, oh, yeah. Which is hilarious. So we right. said that it does... Yeah, so, um, yeah, like... There's a couple of lines that are just kind of repeated in, in that first scene. Uh, first, when he says, Hudsucker never did anything the easy way. Um, and then later, that same guy says, Hudsucker was never an easy man to figure out. Um, it's like that nice kind of repetition there. And of okay. course, there's the guy who always says, talks about the mezzanine uh, when you're referencing numbers. Because they say, oh, it's 44 floors. No, 45, counting the mezzanine. <laughs> and then somebody else says, 45 floors, 44, not including the mezzanine. And then somebody else says, uh, we need 50% of the stock. 51, not including the mezzanine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of good repetition in this movie, which would make sense if you were going in a circle, you would go past the same thing. Very uh, nice. Over and over again. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, let's, let's get into the circle thing, because I really think this is, this is important. Um, first of all, we could talk about, like, time in general. So, you know, time can represent it as a clock, which it is in this movie. There's a giant clock on the 
on the Hudsucker building. Yeah, you can see part of that clock in Sydney Musburger's office, which I really like. If I could design an office, I would design an office like that because I think that's super cool having the clock on the inside like that. Um, you can see the hand, the second hand, like float by really smoothly, um, and like the shadow is cast on the wall and gets slowly bigger and bigger as it goes farther and farther into the room. It's pretty cool. It was intimidating. It definitely yes. Um, but it reminds me a little bit about this George Carlin um, bit he does about time. And he talks about how he loves analog clocks and he hates digital clocks. He says analog clocks have so much more emotion to them because if he, like, doesn't it feel like the, that first half hour from when the first when the minute hand is going from the 12 to the 6, it's just a little bit faster than when it has to go up from the 6 to the 12 and it has to fight gravity all the way back up. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's like... You can think of time that way, or you can think of circles in that way, where like there's a good and a bad side, right? There's always the fall and then rise, um, which is exactly what you see in this movie. You see first Warring Hudsucker fall, and then you see, um, and as he's falling out of the building, uh, Norville walks in to eventually rise to the point where he's at, where, where Waring was at. And then he, again, well, jumps both, from the building. Right, yeah, both literally, because he goes up to the top floor, but also uh, in his status as a, uh, goes from mailroom guy to literal president of the company. Yeah, in like one day. <laughs> um, and then there's the, um, there's the karma and, um, uh, what's the, a reincarnation kind of theme that they go along with. Um, because when uh, Norville and Amy are talking at one of the parties, uh She's, uh, Norville's talking about previous lives and howling. She was uh, a gazelle in the forest, maybe, and he was in, uh, wasn't it, ibex, um, an antelope or an ibex, um, and how maybe they met in a previous life. Um, and I like this too because reincarnation is a circle in a way, um, where life, death, and rebirth. Um, but there's a lot of the dialogue that kind of mirrors this too. Like um, one that one guy, the one guy who's sad about Hudsucker's dying. You know, his his stock is suddenly worth more than it's ever worth. So now he wants to kill himself. Um, he says, "I'm getting off this merry-go-round." Um, and then somebody else mentions how the wheel turns when okay. they talk uh, when um, the German doctor is brought in to assess Norville and determine that he's crazy. Um, he says uh, he had to keep him on the the grand lupinzi loop of life. <laughs> I do remember that and I do remember everybody cheering for his like diagnosis but really being uh, big fans of Norville's insanity I guess or his uh, uh, what's it called perceived yeah, so insanity they have, to get, they have to get rid of him somehow right it's right. perfect it's but that, perfect that, al- that also reminded me of the way that they're responding to the gluttonous uh, seemingly gluttonous uh report they were getting of how well Hudsucker Industries was doing oh my uh, at the beginning when that guy was talking about all the records they were breaking and how they yeah. made so much money this like last quarter and stuff uh and that it just like to a, a extreme excess where he was oh going gosh, on yes. and on about how Li- I don't know how you could come up with more literally things. everything is going well right like we have before taxes where our profits are up after taxes our <laughs> profits are up like i don't know how you everything. can even i'd have to I, I need to watch that that sequence again because uh he just he seemingly goes on and on and it's all good news it is it's incredible and and then you know it's all juxtaposed juxtaposed i can't say that word i'm gonna stop saying it juxtaposed um, juxtaposed with wearing hudsucker committing suicide uh, which is also a, a hilarious scene he winds up his watch 
and he just stands on the table and like gets ready to run and then just like shambles off to the side and then <laughs> jumps through the window. He takes quite a stance too. He kind of like puts both of his feet kind of to the right of him and like puts his left shoulder forward. Yeah. It's very clear he's about to like, take off. <laughs> as fast as he can and as he's falling too i love that when he he like wipes his glasses so that he can see and he's like he's like waving people on the sidewalk to get out of the way so he doesn't fall on them oh uh, yeah yeah it's so good and, and and they did a good enough job on the special effects you know yeah i thought that i thought it looks great you know i mean it's supposed to be kind of like this whimsical kind of feeling to it and it does look good so it wasn't the matrix 2 but it was pretty good <laughs> <laughs> no, not everything can be the Matrix too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so the other thing about like time and clocks and stuff is how the Hudsucker clock um, literally controls time. Uh, when Old Moses puts his broom into the the clock at the end and stops time, um, so that uh, Norville can survive the fall that he's he's undertaking. Um, that's like really cool too. It's like they talk about how. Um, after Hudsucker dies and they announce it on the intercom, they say, Warring Hudsucker merge with the infinite, um, which is another reference to circles. Um, and he says, at Hudsucker time, and they mentioned like the time that he died, as if Hudsucker time is the only time that matters, and it's proven later in the movie, because when they stop the Hudsucker clock, all time stops. Oh, I didn't catch that. No, I do I do remember them saying Hudsucker time. It's... uh. And, and also, merge with the infinite is a very nice euphemism for death. Very, very, might, very tasteful. I like that a lot. I might have to use that one in the future. Yes. Uh, and it, it could even make the grieving uh, crack a chuckle if they've seen this movie and catch the <laughs> reference. So I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Only references to movies. That's the that's what my eulogy. <laughs> um, but okay, so. Do you have any idea, like, do you have any interpretations of what that fight at the end is, like, between, uh, that one dude, what's his name? Um, I wrote, I wrote down how to pronounce it, so I would, uh, Alobishus and Old Moses, the, the two guys that, like, work in the background at Hudsucker. Ah, uh, to tell you the truth, that was one of my biggest questions I had, is who is Alo, what is it? Alobishus. Alobishus. I, That's how I, you pronounce it. To tell you the truth, I kind of missed... Because I, I've, <laughs> upon watching it again, on like just skimming it again, I was like, they show him painting on that door so freaking much. Because yeah. it's always just in between stuff. You only see him when they're uh, going in and out of the office. And I, I, this this movie has a lot of repetition, so this was one of the ones that I think I didn't pay enough attention to. So I don't know. I mean, maybe he's a symbol for like the status quo or like keeping things how they were before but to tell you the truth i don't feel like i have a firm grasp on who this guy ended up being it gave me a satisfying feeling of good versus evil and good winning at the end yeah um and also can't you know i always uh, enjoy seeing two geezers like duke it out uh so I, that you know what i'm saying i got what I, I got what i wanted out of that scene but i think that there's more to be appreciated there um, so my interpretation is that like, I was always confused about like who they were. I always thought Old Moses was time, but also like time isn't necessarily shown as a good thing most of the time in this movie. But uh, on, like further reflection, I feel like both Aloysius and um, Old Moses, both of them represent time, but different aspects of time. And uh, Old Moses is time the healer, and Aloysius is time the destroyer. Oh. So like... Um, 
old Moses is uh, offering advice to people. He's the narrator of the story and everything. And of course he saves Norville in the end. Um, and it's like this whole idea that of second chances, right? Of being able to start over or learning from your mistakes, the rise and fall um, again with the circles. Whereas Aloysius is always um, moving people out, right? He's uh, erasing the name Hudsucker and then putting a new name on and then erasing that name. Um, and he's the one who forces Norville out the window, um, and he's constantly trying to keep the clock running when Moses stops it. So I feel like, you know, time is something that humans experience and has a weird relationship with because we can learn from time, and time can teach us things and perhaps make us wise, but it also is, in the end, our, our undoing. Um, so it's kind of that relationship, I think, is displayed in this movie in a kind of subtle way, which I really liked. Anyway, it that's is. What I, no, that's it is I, subtle. My interpretation. I think that your interpretation is great. It's uh, it, and it is subtle because this movie up front is just wacky hijinks and humor, <laughs> but uh, it is. It has this cool. little bit of like melodrama, like Greek gods of duking it out in the background. Yeah, uh, it, it, duking it out is exactly the way I'd put it too, because they really do. They they throw them hands, and I'm, <laughs> I'm always up to see that. Uh, but yeah, it honestly, I felt like this movie didn't just give you like the satisfying like hollywood happy ending but it also kind of you know drags a meaning out of this movie that could have been good enough with just the humor yeah i i agree you know there is like a deeper like level to it um and i feel like it's a little bit more accessible than a lot of the other coen brothers movies um because the ones like have you ever seen the serious a serious man um or what's the other? Even like Oh Brother Where Out Thou is, is kind of like vague, you know. Like if you if you've read the Odyssey, then it makes a lot of sense. Um, but like just watching it, you're like, what? What exactly does this mean? Like what exactly does this represent? Um, and yeah, I feel like they kind of tend to be on the more vague side. Although that's that's not a bad thing necessarily. But this movie is definitely more accessible, and I think maybe Sam Raimi had something to do with that. Yeah, I would be comfortable with watching this movie with the whole family. I think. I think. Yeah, definitely. It's uh fun for the whole family, and there's like there's so much to catch. You know, there's like lots of jokes per minute, um, and everyone talks really fast and everything. So let's talk about Norville a little bit about his character. So you said you mentioned at the beginning like you don't know that you think he's an idiot, right? Like you. You, you think he could be? Job. They yeah, keep they it ambiguous. Job doing that. Um, but you do see like his ambition and everything, um, but. I, the scene that really sticks out to me is when um, Amy Archer is in his office and he's reading the newspaper, the, the article that she wrote about him. Yes, great. And scene. Um, and he's like, he's pissed off because it's like, how how dare she like judge me when she doesn't even know me? You know, she's never even come in here and shown her face. Like, how, you know, how can she do this? And then you know, he writes that that letter to her. Well, he um, has he has her Amy as his yeah. secretary write <laughs> the letter back to herself. <laughs> Yes. And the way he does it is so brilliant, too, because he's doing it off the cuff, right? So yeah. immediately uh, he's a little bit more brilliant just for being able to coming up – just for being able to come up with it off the cuff. But Dictate. he says yeah, – well. Yeah, and, and he says, like, uh, you know, something to the – well, and he revises himself immediately after, and he says things that are better. He's like, change uh, – uh, like, he says, change no, it to face-to-face -face, or change it to eye-to-eye -eye, and change uh, – uh, like something to common decency. Like he, he yeah. changes it so that it's even better than it was initially. And right. uh, which in that situation, I felt like he came off as pretty uh, intelligent, pretty yeah. Witty. And like and yeah, he didn't he didn't follow through with it too. I mean, obviously Amy did get the message, but he he didn't like publicly you know address this. You know, which I feel like is the responsible thing to do as a CEO of a large company. 
Um, you just kind of let off his steam. And then, like, he shows that he's pretty perceptive. Like, he kind of nails Amy Archer just from the <laughs> article she writes about him. Um, and you know, maybe it's a little harsh, but, like, it, it causes her to reflect on, like, herself. Yeah. It would, but it's just such a uh, – the whole time, it's such a unique situation because she's right there. And yeah. he doesn't know, <laughs> but he's saying things that are, like, daggers almost, like, very, tr- dropping truth bombs on her. Oh, right, and, yeah. and he's And he's not doing it to be mean. He's being honest because he's like, well, obviously she can't hear us. Like, yeah. he's <laughs> and she even tries to like defend herself. And she's like, maybe she just puts work first. He's like, yeah. she probably tells herself that, <laughs> and she is literally saying that. <laughs> so it's uh, yeah, and no, so I think that's the first like sign that like you know this guy isn't exactly who who you thought he was. You know, he he is naive, but he's not stupid. Yes, and um. What is this? Tim Robbins is a great casting choice, in my opinion, for this oh, character, yeah. just because he has such a boyish, boyish face. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's also well. It just it, it, the whole time I felt like I was trying to figure him out whether or not he really was a, an idiot or a, like a brilliant. And yeah. uh, I think that was important <laughs> to have a little bit of ambiguity before you get to know him. Yes. And then I, I really like Amy's character too. I don't know if we talked about her a little bit, but like how she kind of she has a whole arc about like finding love right she goes in there like as one of the boys you know she's she's kind of i'll do anything to get a story you know i'll trick this guy and like come into his office and then when she finds out like that he's a real person you know she's a little bit more hesitant to like to drag him through the mud um and eventually you know they fall in love but you know i think that kind of culminates in old moses's talk old moses talking to her and he says like you know she says i'm happy enough and he just laughs right like it and i think that's like that time is the healer kind of thing like looking back and with perspective looking back throughout your life like what would you rather have pursued like your career or love um and you know asking yourself that question that's heavy early on it maybe might save you some pain in the future i don't know (laughs) yeah he was uh he was seemingly omniscient moses yeah he saw a lot of what was going on without us knowing that's right. Out in the background, maintaining the maintaining time. Time is all around. So, <laughs> never getting off this merry-go-round. All right. Well, we're gonna take a quick break, but when we return, we will uh, conclude our. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more, and then we'll conclude our conversation on the Hudsucker Proxy. So, stay with us. Once upon a time, the American dream was power wealth and success but in the city that never sleeps the american dream is about to get a wake-up call just got hired today you know entry level but i got big ideas when the president and owner of 87 percent of the company's stock drops then the company too has a problem what we need now is a new president some jerk. I like on fire. We can really push around. Yo! Yeah, yo, boss! This letter was sent down this morning by the big man himself. Sit down, Go ahead. Try it out. Did the board consider you an idea man when they promoted you from the mail room? Well, I guess so. I don't think they promoted me because they thought I was a schmo. <laughs> the guy's a real moron. Cigarettes? No, thank you. What an imbecile. Come up with this. 
from Joel and Ethan Cohen. It's fun, it's healthy, the kids will just love it, and we put a little sand inside to make the experience more pleasant. Did you have any idea there'd be such a huge response? This is the press. I don't think anybody expected this much hoopla. <laughs> Comes a comedy of fame, <gasps> fortune, woke, sex, wow. greed, and the American way. Say, Amy, how about you and I grab a little dinner or a show after work? I was thinking maybe the king and I. Uh, how about Oklahoma? Tim Robbins, Jennifer Jason Lee, and Paul Newman. I'm getting off this merry-go-round. Plexiglass. Oh, you're The Hutsucker Proxy. And we are back. And the first thing I want to bring up uh, is something we touched on a little bit, but not nearly in depth enough, is Buzz, the elevator operator. Yes. This guy has, first off, perfect uh, voice for the guy who's going to be working the operator and is quick talking with the rhymes. Uh, yeah, because he is. And he's got that kind of scratchy voice, almost nasally. Yes. And one of my favorite uh, sequences from Buzz is when, <laughs> obviously, when they're riding the elevator up to the top, they, they stop at one floor and pick up three people and they're like, and he's like, Miss Dick Klein up to nine, Mrs. Dell personnel, Mr. 1137, 36, 36. walk down. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, and he's, ladies and gentlemen, please step to the rear. Here comes a gargantuan Mr. Greer. And he's like, buzz. <laughs> yeah. Cla- like, so quick. If you blink, you'll miss it. And, uh, yeah. and, he, and he, it's not, they don't even, because I thought that that was masterful, but they didn't even let and him. And so I love that so much, like the Mr. 1137, like, it's actually 36. Like, <laughs> like, he's all about the rhyme. Like, the rhyme is so more important than, like, actually getting the guy where he wants to go. <laughs> it's so funny. It's, uh, so yeah, I loved Buzz, and I thought he was super funny. Um, <laughs> and also, his, just like everybody else, his uh, attention to the blue uh, letter. The blue letter! Yes. Oh my gosh. Why didn't you say something? Yeah, uh, some of his jokes are hilarious, though. Uh, like, you know, when is the when is the sidewalk fully dressed? When it's when wearing Hudsucker. <laughs> yeah. Well, say, it takes buddy. 50 years to get to the top floor and 30 seconds to get down. <laughs> wearing Hudsucker. Say, buddy, who's the most liquid businessman on the street? <laughs> wearing wearing Hudsucker. <laughs> Classic. I love Buzz. All right, sorry. I just had to, had to get no, that back in there. Yeah, and he's great too because he does come back in the in the middle there to um to pitch his bendy straw idea, um and then uh, Musburger actually like sets him up as another proxy to to steal uh in in retrospect uh, the hula hoop idea from Norville. <sighs> yeah, I do. I think this is great because like Buzz is so caught up in the like the corporate and capitalist society, right? He's like he's a mover and shaker in his own right you know he's constantly talking to the most important people in the building yeah and it just shows you how like capitalism and corporate business has no time for grief you know it's, it's got to move fast time is money and money makes the world go round as old moses says like i said dude this is a capitalist american american capitalism uh fever dream and uh, very much so definitely not light on the american capitalism yeah so another interpretation i kind of had with um Aloysius and Old Moses yes. was the difference between Kairos and Kronos, which is something I don't know if you've ever heard. Um, I'm flattered that you think I would have heard of it. Uh, it's something that uh, comes up, that came up a lot when I was in, going to Catholic school. Um, Kronos is like measurable time. It's the Greek word for like, you know, hours, minutes, days, 
months, millennia. Um, and then Kairos is also known as God's time or special time. So like special moments that stick out to you in the past. When you're with someone that you really like, you know, time seems to move slower almost. You know, time stretches and and shrinks as you experience it, you know, uh, but it's measured consistently. So you could say that old Moses is more about Kairos, you know, more about the moments when he actually, you know, sacrifices the the chronos of the moment to, you know, uh, alleviate, alleviate or stretch out a moment so that Norville can have that, that moment at the end and, and yeah. realize his mistakes. Whereas um, Aloysius is that constant, you know, ticking of the clock, uh, chronos, um, as we understand it. It waits for no man. Exactly. Um, another great moment of bureaucracy is when they um, announce that Hudsucker is, is dead. They have it over the intercom, and it says, as we mentioned, um, that he merged with the infinite. And then they say, we would like to have a moment of silence to honor him. And they say, this moment has been duly noted on your time cards and will be deducted from your pay. Yes. Oh, my gosh. And the thing is, nobody seems to bat an eye. They're like, yeah, <laughs> They're like, obviously. Whatever, that works. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> That's so perfect. Working at Hudsucker did not sound uh, very Well, ideal. not at the bottom, anyway. You know, at the top, it's great. I guess, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot yeah, more people then, at the bottom. <laughs> and then, uh, and then uh, when the blue letter arrives, of course... Um, everyone's hiding and like throwing envelopes in the air and like people are scrambling so that like and cowering underneath like the counters and stuff like it's that so lady funny. screamed a blood curling <laughs> scream and there's like signs like neon signs and stuff going in the background and like sirens going it's just so fucking hilarious and there's so much like redundancy it, it was pretty important though the yeah le- it was the really important of the letter yeah and the totally moves this plot forward like up to the very end um and then, of course, you know, Norville's staying there with a whole bunch of envelopes, but he's also curious about what this blue letter means. So he's, like, he's not hiding, and he has, the, like, the armful of envelopes, and the guy comes up and says, Barnes, you don't look busy. <laughs> <laughs> like, his hands are literally full. <laughs> oh, dude. Okay, speaking of that, uh, I know one of my other favorite lines is when he's on the phone with the... I don't remember exactly when this was, but he, like, calls up the male people after he's the president, yeah. and, he, and he's like... Barnes, where's my voucher? I need it right now. And he's like, well, uh, uh, well uh, I'm, I'm the president uh, of the company. He's like, I, I don't, don't care, care if you're president, I'm the president of the company. Of the company. <laughs> <laughs> <Which> is, <laughs> yes, that was truly amazing. Uh, oh, I love that so much. Yeah, another great moment of like, of um, just cold, hard corporate America is when sure. um, when uh, Musburger, when you first see Musburger um, in his office, and he's literally having four conversations at the same time. Um, <laughs> picking up two phones. He, 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 has, he has. He picks up the phone and he's talking to to one guy about like their stock prices and how they need to make it worse. Um, and he he says, um, "Oh no, he's talking about guys he needs to like somebody he needs to hire, right? Like he's talking about potential yeah. proxies." And he says, "He's a nice guy. He's got too many friends. As a matter of fact, why don't you fire him? Scratch that. I'll fire him." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's um. So he's on the phone and then somebody keeps calling into his intercom saying that there's a guy waiting for him. Um, and then he he's talking to Barnes, telling him to hurry up and give him the letter. And then he picks up another phone to talk about the stock. And he's on both phones at the same time. And he um, yeah he, when he's talking to both of them, he says something that's relevant to both of them. Like, yeah. that goes double for you. <laughs> <laughs> and, right, right. And, and at the same time, there's a meeting downstairs that he has to get to. Yeah. That his secretary to... keeps paging him into. It's like, he's going right, to leave. Like, Just give him a magazine. <laughs> 
it's so perfect like how do you do that how do you even write something like that you know and then have him direct it to everyone like obviously in retrospect it's easier for you to like see who he's talking to but it works in the moment too where you're like oh now he's talking to barnes and, oh now he's on the phone oh now he's talking to the secretary like it just all works perfectly <laughs> I love it. I love it's stuff, stuff like that. It's hilarious, but it's like only possible in like cinema or like maybe a TV show. But you know, it's like something that is hilarious that could never happen in real life. Yeah. But even though it's emulating real life, it's uh, really funny. It's really funny. Uh, yeah, I really like Musburger. I think he's a great character. He's he's a pretty good like antagonist in this movie. And I I don't like so much that he like has to go to the loony bin at the end. But I guess that's kind of satisfying. Well, it's how the uh, yeah it's how the movie concludes. It does itself, set they just set that up to build off to pay off so. Right, right. It and is paid off, which is kind of nice. But that's Paul Newman, too. Yes. Which, uh, great, ca- another great casting choice there. He is While we're on the topic of casting choices, I wanted to talk about John Mahoney, who plays. Well, before the... okay, before we talk about him, I want to talk about one more thing about Sidney Musburger, okay, which is which is the pants scene. <laughs> when... <laughs> Norville uh, throws uh, throws a, a burning trash can out the window, and the Bumstead contracts are going out the window. So Musburger's like leaning out there, and he falls, and then Norville catches him by his pants. And says, "I've got, don't worry, I've got you by the pants." And you just see Musburger say, "The pants," and then he has a flashback <laughs> to when he was at the tailors, and the tailors said. Hey, you want a double stitch? And he's like, no, a single stitch is fine. You know, like the double stitch is not. I'm not gonna need that double stitch. No, he's like, the, and yeah, because the uh, this what do, what do you call those guys that work? The tailor. He's the tailor. Yeah, the tailor's like, oh, but the double stitch will last forever. He yeah. Goes, what do I need the double stitch for? A sing when a single stitch will do the same job. Yeah, I'll just be lining your pockets. Single <laughs> stitch is fine. <laughs> right, and then later the tailor's like. Oh, you know, Mr. Musburger is such a nice guy. I'll give him the double stitch anyway. So then, like, part of the pants are single stitch and nose rip, and the double stitch stays, literally saves his life. It's, it's freaking great. It is the most tense, <laughs> uh, se- like, sewing-related uh, scene I think I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about John Mahoney, uh, who is the newspaper chief. He's, like, the chief editor, I guess. Yes, and, okay, here's the thing. Nobody, there's already been the greatest newspaper editor of all time in film, and that is J. Jake Jonah Simmons. Jameson. Yeah, it, yeah, in uh, this is the original Spider Man uh, trilogy. But yes. John Mahoney does have a, a similar voice, and, and he does, for me, I think he does a great job as the like loud, yelling, like d- very demanding. Uh, chief editor of the yeah newspaper. he is and he you know he's got his he's got his box of cigars on his desk and everything um yeah i i didn't i had to look up what his name was but he's i know him as the dad from fraser oh yeah that's um, he i think that's the only other thing i've seen him in yeah and it's nice and to see him like you know playing playing a, a, like a great role yeah sure because i like him in that show you know sitcoms make you uh you know become kind of uh affectionate i guess towards all the characters you kind of see their lives over many seasons but uh it's nice to see him doing something else besides being like just the the grandpa kind of yeah and he's got some great like uh li- like lines in here too because um he's talking to like the guys like hey why don't you have a story on this idea man yet you know and he's trying to get them all riled up and it's like what about you parkinson and the, his friend Parkinson's friend says, "Still waters run deep, Chief." And he says, "The only thing that runs deep with Parkinson is the holes in his ears." <laughs> this movie's full. Oh, yeah, that's the oh, other that's thing good. too. Is I appreciate when, uh, and, and it's probably stereotypical. It's probably not actually like <laughs> yeah. this, but I love getting a look at like the, uh, the the when we like the 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 background of like the newspaper, like what it's yeah. like to work at the newspaper place where there's all these demanding uh, people like looking for the hot story, the scoop. Uh, and they just yeah, have, and they're and all they like talk so really quick quickly. And 
Yeah, so I think it's really interesting how, like, the newspaper is also manipulated in this movie. Um, you know, the Hudsucker completely controls the narrative. Uh, you know, it's, it's never, like, implied that they're, like, in the pocket of, of Hudsucker or anything, but it's, um, it's kind of interesting how they've pitched this, like, oh, they have this new guy, this fresh guy, whatever, and he's the idea man, right? He's going to save the company. He's going to make the stock go up um, when, in fact, you know, Hudsucker just wants people to be disappointed by him, right? So... And then when um, what's what's her name uh, Amy Archer goes in and does the expose about about Norman, Norville, they um, you know that also benefits Hudsucker because now people are scared of him, and then you know they have the whole hype they add to the hype with the um, the hula hoop, and then they're also the ones that's you know printing the story at the end about how um, Norville stole the idea from Buzz. You know they're getting all those scoops from 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 Musburger. You know the newspaper is supposed to be this like pillar of truth in the community but it's really just expounding more hudsucker propaganda right it, it's just like hudsucker in the way that it's all about the bottom line yeah not necessarily not that hudsucker claims to be about anything else but <laughs> it's it definitely is also like hudsucker in that way yeah um and i think that's an interesting and kind of cynical way of of showing that um Another really interesting thing, another sequence that I really like um, is when Norville um, is losing like control of the company. After the success of the hula hoop, he kind of fails to replicate that in any like meaningful way, and yeah. he just keeps kind of riding that same wave. Um, and they show that through newspaper headlines. Like he has, there's a Amy's reading a newspaper on the train, and um, it says something along the lines of "Idea Man struck gold," and then it goes like "Idea Man struck treading water." Yes. Um, and, you know, it just continues from there. And I, I really like how this shows, like, the passage of time and also the public opinion, um, you know, in a kind of a, a unique way. And also very succinct. Yeah, and I guess the – it seems slightly jarring to me, but it, was were presidents of companies, like, in the public eye a lot more in the 50s or something? Like, I don't, I don't know. People, presidents of companies are in the public eye now. Look at, like, Jeff Be- Bezos or Elon Musk. Okay, so Hudsucker must be gigantic then. It is. It's a huge company. I mean, it has that giant building in New York City and everything. I guess that's a good point. But you never see what they do. Like, you know, they're just a business company. (laughs) They just have enough capital to build hula hoops. I don't know what they actually do. Yeah, they're they're one of these giant conglomerates. I assume you know one of these like like uh, Time Warner or something. Okay, okay. Like that just owns everything. But I mean, like, I, I, and I, it's not, this is not the point, but I don't know what the president of Time Warner's been up to. I don't know if that guy had one great idea or if he's literally just sitting in his chair doing nothing, like, you know. That's fair, but if, but if he was doing something crazy, then you would, you would know about it. Fair enough. Um, another, uh, like, small scene that I really like is the, the scene in the coffee bar when uh, Amy meets Norville for the first time. And there's the the, the two, gas guys, the two uh, yeah the gas guys, the two um, taxi drivers. Uh, one yes. of them's from the yellow cab, one of them's from Checkers, and they were like these old washed up guys who are just like who are literally narrating the story as it happens. Enter the dame, <laughs> and then she's like she's trying to like get him to notice that she's like in distress, like she's she doesn't have any money or like she's sick or something. And, and it's all very obvious to these guys. Yeah, and they're like he's not noticing Benny. Maybe he's wise. He don't look wise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a reference I wish people, more people knew because I love saying that. He don't look wise. He, uh, well, 
speaking of references i don't know when i was younger i was really into like graphic tees that had like funny things on them like it would be like a a, you mad bro yeah or like a dish that like a butter dish and it has like uh like a butter knife in it and it says smooth like butter it's like you know and i would wear that be like yeah i'm smooth like butter but it like they're just random references to just life itself my brother had one and had like a gas station attendant like holding a gas station thing like waving his hand they had a little speech bubble coming out of his mouth that said i have gas (laughs) and like that's funny to wear like (laughs) around you know a shirt that says i have gas but perfect i wear a shirt that says cox often though same i and that one i don't care some people will point it out and i'll be like uh, they're like hey dude go cox i'm like yeah, yeah go, go cox <laughs> like thank you yes uh but anyways <laughs> i wasn't sure if this was just like they were trying to make a reference to the fact that they, they drive vehicles with gas and i think they so have I, think, gas. I think that was supposed to introduce like the double entendre kind of thing where like they're literally narrating the story but it was also like what she's doing yeah because they uh <laughs> they need bromo at the end which i have to bromo. assume yeah which is i assume is something similar to gas x I think it's a, I don't know what it is. I, I thought it was like some sort of espresso. I just, I just, I know nothing well, about coffee, so I assume. Oh, coffee, coffee is thing. a diuretic, so I guess if that, that's one way to get it going. Um, but yeah, so I like those guys. I thought they were funny. And in another sequence, right? Another like, another point in this movie where they kind of throw out the previous, uh, you know, plot structure almost, and just have a scene that's yeah. unique in its own way. Uh, and that's it keeps this movie really fresh and it, you, you really don't get tired of watching it because it's like you do, you really don't know what's going to happen next even though it's going to have something to do with the plot and s- similar yeah. it still could be wildly different than what you've seen before the only thing you can really count on is circles and comedy <laughs> uh, to still be a part of it oh yeah lots of both of those things is there anything else you want to talk about that was my last one i got i covered everything i think oh, that well, i want to talk about uh, oh, besides, oh wait, there was one more thing about um, about uh, Amy Archer, and that's um, uh, what's her name, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee. Um, I feel like she's. Uh, I love the scene when um, she's in the office with Norville, and he, she tells him that uh, she's a Muncie gal. Oh my she's gosh! From and she has like that practice speech, which she just like says over and over again, like repeating different parts. And then yeah. of course, um, he like tries to get her to sing the themes, like the the fight song, right? and he has like the eagles because i love how she has this thing very well thought out and it's yeah. like a very it's she's trying to be very manipulative and he doesn't even notice because she he carries her all yeah. the way to his office from the diner so he's exhausted <laughs> when they get there and so she's going on and on with like how her backstory and stuff and yeah. it, it shows his perspective and it's all like <laughs> blurry and wonky and he's just like <sighs> Ugh. I can't even understand what she's saying. Yeah, <laughs> and she's just going on and on with this very practice speech, and then uh, you know he pours her a drink, and while she continues talking, he's like, "May I join you?" And then she's like, uh, "Yes." And then she repeats the line that she said right before that, and he takes a sip and immediately has to go like throw up. And, uh, and so I felt like her manipulation was not working at all. Uh, no, at, and at that I mean, point, he totally, I was... mi- he totally missed it. You know, he just went way over his head. You know, you have to. There's a certain like level of confidence that you need to reach in order to be manipulated. Um, <laughs> yeah, which is kind yeah, of but, his like his like sort of uh, dichotomy there, because he's like both brilliant and uh, you know kind of a dummy at the same time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, 
I, I really like the scene too because like obviously they practice like doing the scene, but she she has to pretend that she doesn't know the words and like she, when she screws up the the hand signal thing, um, I really like that too. Like she she doesn't quite know what to do with her hands until like afterward and she doesn't do it perfectly. Yeah. Like obviously like if you do that enough times, you're just gonna end up doing it. Like it's gonna become easy. Like to practice screwing it up like that, I feel like is is pretty subtle and it's and it's like just enough for the audience obviously to 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 never miss it. But it's but you believe that Norville would. Yeah, no, Jennifer. Like props to Jennifer Jason Lee for uh, a, a masterful. Honestly, a lot of this movie, I think she does really well. Um, yes, I'm not exactly sure if I've seen her in anything else, but uh, I recognize her name, but I don't know what else she's been in. Yeah, it's very good in this movie. <clears throat> anyway, that's all I got. That is all I've got too. So I think this is a good length. I think we're good to call it here. So. Um, Thank, if you've listened this far, thank you so much for listening to Affable Chat. Uh, we're on iTunes, we're on Google, and we're on SoundCloud right now, constantly trying to expand in more stuff. Uh, so please, you know, subscribe, uh, t- uh, tweet at us, uh, tweet at me at Fourth and Ben on Twitter. Get get in the conversation here, um, and because we're, we're coming out with stuff all the time, and uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Apparently, that really helps us get our uh, our podcast out there. And Who knows? Uh, but yeah, if you honestly, if you've listened to this point, that's good enough for me. I uh, anything more would be real. I would super appreciate. But anyways, that's enough of that. I'll wrap it up here. So we are done. Thank you for joining me, Joey, and uh, and, we're, and we're out. Hi, your buddy. My name's Buzz. I got the fuzz. I make the elevator do what she does. Hang it up to dry. What's your pleasure, buddy? Forty-four. Forty-four, the top brass floor. Say, buddy, what takes 50 years to get up to the top floor and 30 seconds to get down? Wearing hood, sucker. You get it, buddy? Say, buddy, Mr. Klein, up to nine. Mrs. Dell, personnel, Mr. Levin, 37. 36. Walk down. Ladies and gentlemen, please step to the rear. Here comes a gargantuan Mr. Greer. Buzz. Say, buddy, who's the most liquid businessman on the street? Wearing Hudsucker. <laughs> Say, buddy, when is the sidewalk fully dressed? When it's wearing Hudsucker. <laughs> you get it, buddy? It's a pun. It's a knee slapper. It's a play on Jesus, Joseph, and Mary. Is that a blue letter? Cripe the muddy. Why didn't you tell a guy? Hold on, folks. We're expressed to the top floor. Good luck, buddy. You're gonna need it.